So. Peace. Huh? <laughs> we are in a world, a culture of fear. <laughs> we live in this culture of fear. We live in a world of disruption, of chaos, and it's just kind of all around us. It's, we can't get away from it. It, it just is there. It, it, it's, it's just kind of part of life. It's, it's actually just normal. We live in a culture of fear because of the bad things that happen that are all around us. Even if we have a season where things seem to go really well, we know that eventually it's going to end. You know, eventually something bad is going to happen, and we're going to have to now deal with that bad thing. But the culture that we live in tells us and leads us to an expectation that utopia exists. That there is a perfect world that we can enjoy and live in. That it's possible, if we just live you know, well enough, if we just do the right things, if, if, if we are you know, able to allow for you know, just different perspectives, and if we can just get rid of the bad people and the, the bad things in our world, if we can eliminate all of that and and, and eliminate all the accidents that just happen, then we can live in utopia, this perfect world. This is a perspective that our leaders and our media constantly communicate to us. Uh, but, but they don't communicate it by talking about utopia. They communicate it by talking about all of the bad. We have a 24-hour news cycle that is constantly talking about all the bad things and how we could be better if we didn't have these bad things. The the illusion or the perspective that they give is that these bad things, if we just get rid of them, then we can have this utopian society. But So they just focus constantly on the negative. I mean, there's just there's chaos everywhere, right? I mean, the world is falling apart. Russia's going to attack us. China's going to attack us. Iran's going to attack us. I mean, it's it's just going to be chaos. Socially, I mean, there's racism everywhere, right? I mean, it's just there's chaos. We just need to get rid of this racism and this bigotry, and then we'll have a utopia. And so, because. Bad things are not just common and just part of the human experience. Because bad things can be defeated. Because bad things can be eliminated from life. Thus, we live in a culture of fear. We live constantly worried about tomorrow, worried about what's going to happen next. We, we live fearful of the bad things that are going to come, or the bad things that we're in right now. Some of the fears that we typically deal with are first and foremost about the future. 
We fear and we worry about tomorrow. We, we fear the, the unknown, but we also fear the known. Right? It's not just the unknown bad that could happen, but it's the bad that we've already experienced that might happen again. We, we worry that we'll face these trials and, and pain that come from them. And so we seek to avoid new things or previously bad things. You know, it's like at Christmas for me when I was a kid. I mean, Christmas was always a good time, but there were certain Christmases when we would travel across the state of Washington to go see my extended family, aunts and uncles. And there was one particular aunt, and, and maybe you've got this kind of aunt, you know, the aunt who's just, just a little bit too touchy-feely, right? You know, you know the one who kind of hugs you a little bit too long, right? You know, the, the aunt who, when you walk through the door, her lips are all puckered and ready to give you this big, huge, wet kiss on your cheek, right? I, this was my aunt, right? And we would have a five-hour drive some Christmases to go and see this aunt. And all I could think about for five hours was this kiss and this hug that were going to come that were going to make me feel icky, Right? I mean, it's just it's this reality, right? You fear this. You know it's coming. You know it's, you've been there before, and you're going to have to deal with it again. I mean, this, this is the kind of fear we're talking about for tomorrow, that, that, that we know that something bad is going to happen, and this fear can cripple us. It can actually cause us to never leave our home. Agoraphobic uh, phobia in America is on the rise. And that's the idea that, you know, fear of getting out of your house, basically. More and more people are, are, are cloistering themselves, in a sense, in their homes. They're afraid to go out because of the bad things. You know, in their home, they can, can, can control it. Or sometimes we just are crippled by the fact that we just always are assuming the worst. That, that tomorrow's definitely going to be bad. We just know it. We also uh, fear and worry about relationships. We fear of being alone. We fear of being hurt by relationships. We worry about the conflict that's to come. You know, the conflict we're in and the conflict that's to come, we're worried about those things. And because of that, because of the conflict, some of us are so afraid of the conflict that we're never honest with anyone. We never let our true self show because we're afraid it's going to create conflict or tension or we're going to be rejected. Or some of us, we just let other people just trample us. We, you know, I don't want the conflict. I don't want to push back and say, hey, you can't do that to me, so we're just going to let it go. We, because of this fear, we can actually end up avoiding relationships. New relationships with new people but even relationships with those who we already are in relationship with. We, we just won't engage. We won't take those relationships to the next level. It's like this relationship with my daughter's new boyfriend. I, I mean, really, I mean, I, I, I'm afraid of what I'm going to get with this new boyfriend, right? I mean, I mean what, if, what if I hate him, right? I mean, what if he's just a jerk and he's horrible? But even worse, what if I like him? I mean, what do you do with that as a father, right? Your job is supposed to hate the boyfriend, right? And then you like him, right? I mean, what do you do? So we can be afraid and we can fear about our future and about the relationships that we can have and do have and may have in the future. And this can lead us actually 
to depression. That we are depressed by fear. That, you know, that life is isolating us. That fear is going to cause us to have fake relationships instead of being real with people. Or maybe just to have no relationships at all. We just push everybody out. We also fear about and worry about our mistakes. We fear messing things up, right? I mean, we, especially when things are going well, right? I mean, things are going pretty well. We just, we're worried, right? I, I don't want to mess it up, right? And so we're, we're worried about our mistakes and the, and the dumb things that we do. We worry that we're going to mess up the good that's in our life. We worry even about our past mistakes, you know, the, the things that we've done in the past, that they will continue to define us our whole life, that, that there's no way we can ever get away from that. That's just who I am. I'm this mistake that I did in the past. It's like my comments last week about my wife making Christmas cookies. I'm, I'm worried those statements will cost me for years and years to come that she will just bring it up over and over again and you guys will help her in bringing it up. And I'll never live it down. And that's how I'll be defined. The husband who wasn't appreciative of his wife's baking, right? I mean, that's me. We fear our own mistakes. And again, this leads to depression. We never think, we think that maybe we'll never really amount to anything. Or that maybe just my life is just one big screw up, just one big mess. And so with all this fear and worry... How do we find peace? And the first place we start is recognizing that peace is not found in utopia. It's, it, it, peace is not found in a perfect world. If the world's perfect, then it's not peace. Peace is found in the midst of trouble. That's where true peace is found. It, 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 true peace is not by eliminating the bad. It's not by being more tolerant. It's not by living more righteously. Peace is found in faith in Jesus. It's found in living in the truth. It's found in knowing the truth. We find peace when we're living in line with reality. The utopian society is not real. This life is not meant to be perfect. This life has, as part of its normal just journey, bad things. Ugly stuff in it. We have to learn to accept that that's just life. Because truth is, life is messy. So we have to learn to live in line with reality. We have to learn to live in line with the laws of creation. We have to learn to live in line with the purpose of creation. We have to learn to live in line with the will of the creator. Peace, again, is only found through faith in Jesus. Without Jesus, it is impossible to have peace. We may have what seems like peace. We may feel something that seems like peace. But without Jesus, because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, without him, we cannot have true peace. 
He is the foundation of all truth and all reality. Our peace comes and starts with that relationship with Jesus. Lasting peace is impossible without Jesus. And so this morning, I want to give us three practical truths that bring us peace. Again, it's about knowing truth, and then it's about living in that truth, which will bring us peace. So three truths that we need to know and live in that will bring us peace, that will help us to combat the culture of worry and fear that we live in. First of all, to know that God knows. To know that God knows. He, he, he knows it all. He, he knows everything. There is nothing outside of his knowledge. He knows the past. He knows the future. He knows today. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your mind. He knows. He knows everyone. He knows in the dark. He knows in the light. He knows. He knows it all. And he knows our future. Psalm 147.5, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. He knows our future. He is never surprised by the things that happen in our life. The good things and the bad things, he knew about them before they happened. We, we, we don't have to worry that as we step out the door today, that there's going to be something that happens that our God didn't see coming. He's, he's never going to go, oh, wow, what happened? I never expected that. That is not our God. He has no surprises. He knows it all. And when we understand that he knows and he's not surprised by the events in our life, we can then live in that truth boldly stepping into tomorrow. He knows our relationships he knows the people that we're in relationship with now, and he knows the people we'll be in relationship with tomorrow. He knows the people who are going to be involved in our life. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. He knows the evil people as well as the good people. He is not surprised by the evil people being evil to you. He is not surprised by your best friend turning their back on you. He knows. He knows them. He knows you. He knows what you need. He knows that you need him, but he also knows that you need relationships with others. And when we understand that he knows our relationships, and we can live in the truth and courageously engage in new relationships, So many of us are missing out because we won't engage in new relationships. He also knows our mistakes. He's not surprised by your sin. He, he knows. He knows what you've done. He knows what you're doing and he knows what you're going to do. 
But the amazing thing is, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, it, and, and he knew, even when we became a Christian, we were still going to sin. But he still died for us. He still loves us. He knew, he knows our sin. It's not a surprise to him. He's not shocked. When we mess up, he gets it. He knows, he knows it's coming. He's prepared for it. When we understand and know that he, God, knows our sin, we're able to then live in that truth and humbly accept his forgiveness. The hardest person that we have to forgive is ourselves oftentimes. And we get focused and dwelling on our sin. And God's like, I thought I forgave you. Before you actually did it, I forgave you. Another truth that we need to understand and live in is that God is present. God is here. He's here with us. Not just here in church, out there. He's never away from us. He's always with us. Everywhere we go, no, where, no matter where it is, he's there. He's with us. We can't get rid of him. There's no place we can go where he is not there. He's in our future. He's already there tomorrow, waiting for us. Again, he knows, partly because he's already there. He's there, waiting. He knows the good that's going to happen tomorrow or the bad that's going to happen tomorrow. And he's there waiting for us. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. When we understand and know that God is here and he's at the same time already there, then we can live in that truth confidently taking a step into tomorrow. But God is also in our relationships. You know, it, 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 we're, we're not in relationships alone. We're not in relationships by ourselves. We are in relationships with God. See, is it God is the God of relationship. He created us for relationship, and so he wants us to have a relationship with him. But... He also is a God of relationship and community. He wants us to be in relationship too. And he is in the middle of all relationship, seeking to draw people together. John 17, 21, Jesus praying to the Father that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. God is working to draw us together in relationship. He knows the struggle, but he's in that relationship seeking to draw us together. When we understand that God is a God of relationship and that he is drawing us to relationship with him and with others, then we can walk bravely engaging in deeper relationship. Or we risk People getting, to, people getting to know us, the real us, 
not just some fake us. God is also in our mistakes. God is with us in our sin. You know, so often we as evangelicals can think that, okay, when I sin, that that separates me from God. And so when I'm sinning, God is mad at me. And so he's not close to me when I'm sinning. But that's not true. When we gave our life to Christ, that moment, Jesus came, the Spirit came. He is one with us forever, even in our sin. We do not have to work our way back to God. He never left us. Psalm 139.7, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? The point is nowhere, right? There's nowhere we can get. That verse keeps going on, and it talks about going to the darkness to try to escape God. And God still finds us in that darkness. In the midst of our sin, God is light. He shows up. He's there. We can't get rid of him. When we understand and know that God is, with us and that even our sin can't separate us from him then we can live graciously for God's love for us embracing that and knowing oh my gosh <laughs> I can't get rid of him another truth that we need to learn and to live is that God is a redeemer God redeems. This is the business that God is in. He takes fallen things, broken things, messed up things. He takes mistakes and he makes them into something beautiful. It's probably the hardest thing for us as human beings to grasp and to understand. We so have we have so many things that you know it breaks and it's just done and we just throw it away. It's for no, it's no good anymore because it's broken. There's just too many things, too many relationships we do the same thing with. It's broken, so we just throw it away because there's nothing good in it. We can't find anything from it. But God is in the business of redeeming. He's in the business of taking the broken things and fixing them. He doesn't throw them away. He fixes it. He is using our future. He's using it. He's not just, he's not just using the good things. Even the bad things he is using. He, he's working within the bad things that are going to happen in our life or that have happened in our life to bring about something beautiful. Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Not just good things work out for good, but the bad things that happen in life work out for good as well. Because that is the way God works. He redeems the bad, the ugly, and makes it beautiful. When we understand and know that God uses every event in our life, we can then live in that truth with excitement about what God is going to do tomorrow. Even if it's bad, we can look with excitement that it's something good's going to come out of this. 
You know, that, that we walked into this, oh boy, that, that's just a horrible situation we're in right now. And instead of just going, oh, this is horrible, I hate my life, you're going to go, oh God, what are you going to do with this mess? What beautiful picture are you going to paint out of this? God is also using our relationships. He's using the people who are in our life, the good people and the bad people. He's using the people that will come into our life in the future, the good people and the bad people. You know, so, so many times I've heard people say that they have a bad relationship and then they, they, or they have a relationship with someone who's really close to them and then they, they, they betray them in some way. And, and then they begin to question the whole relationship. Well, was there anything real in it, right? You begin to process that whole relationship for years potentially. Was there anything good in it? And they start to go through and actually destroy everything in that relationship. They're basically throwing it in the garbage. And God is saying, no, 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 what are you doing? I'm going to use that relationship, even though it ended bad, or even though most of it was bad, and I'm going to make something beautiful out of it. Don't throw it away. So often we end relationship because we're, we get hurt. We're not willing to continue to engage in that relationship. I know certainly some relationships, we shouldn't continue to be in that kind of relationship where it's every day, but you know, we should not throw the relationship away. What is God going to use it for? How is he going to turn to make it a beautiful thing? Colossians 1, 17, 19, and 20. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. For God is pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. God is using all of our relationships to bring about beautiful things and to reconcile us together. His job is, his desire is for all of us to, to, to coexist, to be together, to be one. And when we understand that he knows the relationships that we have, the good and the bad, and that he's seeking to restore and make beautiful things out of those relationships, we are able to live in the truth with anticipation of who God will bring into our life next instead of fear. He is using our mistakes. He's using our sin. I don't get this. I don't know how this works. But this is the God that we worship. He uses our sin. I mean, it, even when we mess up, God will still use that for his glory. He'll still use it and twist it into something that's beautiful. I mean, as a parent, I struggle with this, right? Especially as a parent of adult kids. You know, when, when they're little, I, I think so much of what I did was just kind of off the cuff. I didn't think that much about it. And, and so now I'm going to, you know, they're adults and I'm looking back, oh man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done that. But when then I understand that God is using my screw-ups in order to make my kids into something beautiful, I'm like, whoa, what? You're amazing, God. Genesis 50, verse 20. This is, this is Joseph, okay? Brothers sold him into slavery. They were going to kill him. And, and then he's like, no, 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 we're not going to kill him. There's this, you know, well, let's just sell him into slavery instead. Oh, they're great guys. They, they did this evilly, right? I mean, there was not... This was not a blessing to Joseph. And then listen what to Joseph says at the end of Genesis, chapter 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good 
to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many souls. Have you ever thought that God could use your sin to bring other people to Christ? Isn't that, that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. This is the God that we worship. When we understand and know that God uses our sin, even our sin for his glory, we're able to live in that truth with expectation that he will use us again. He'll use us. Even, even us, messed up folks that we are. Even, even though we struggle with the same sin maybe over and over again, or we just struggle with, you know, doing the right thing. He's, he's using you right now. So in a culture of fear that says that peace is found in utopia, we see that know that true peace is only found in knowing and living in truth. Some of those truths are knowing that God knows, knowing that God is present, and knowing that God redeems. But knowing and living truth can only get us so far. The reality is, is that we are imperfect, right? And we're still going to mess up even doing that. We're never going to fully know the truth about God. We're never going to fully live in that, not this side of heaven, right? And, and so that means we're always going to be limited in the amount of peace we can enjoy through those, that process of knowing and living the truth. And that's where the amazing gift of God's blessing of peace comes in. It's been read twice already, and I'll read it a third time. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, this passage isn't talking about living in truth. It's got truth in it. It's not talking about living in that truth. It's talking about that time when, you know, you just, you've done what you can, but you're still anxious. You're still worried. You're still living in fear. And that's when God says, just get down on your knees. Bring it to me. Seek me in that. And then I'll give you a peace that is beyond comprehension. That, that, that doesn't make sense. And maybe you've experienced this kind of peace before I had the privilege just a couple of years of experiencing a fairly long period of this. In the midst of transition. Uh, knowing that I had, was done working in one church and had no idea what the next church was going to be. Where God was going to I mean, I was unemployed really for the first time in my life. I just had no idea what God was going to do. I had no hope for tomorrow, really. I was just like, oh, I don't know, God. What do you have planned for me? I don't know. And God gave me this unbelievable peace. I, I mean, I would, like, go through, sometimes, I'd start going through the things in my life that were all messed up and chaotic and reasons that I should be worried or, or fearful. And as I'd go through those, I'd be waiting for something to feel, you know, like those nervous, you know, the stomach, you know, things going on, butterflies and all that, and you get all anxious, and, and nothing would come. And I'd be going, wait a second, I should be freaking out because I don't have a job. 
I mean, I mean, how am I going to pay my bills next month? I have no idea. But I wasn't freaking out. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't worried about it. It was unbelievable peace that I had. It was beyond comprehension. I shouldn't have had peace. But I did. Because God gave me this amazing gift of peace. And he will do that for us. We won't get it all the time. He wants us to live and strive to live in truth. And to know truth and to live in that truth. And which will bring peace. But also there's times when he just gives us amazing blessing of peace. Worship team, why don't you come forward? A couple of final thoughts. Certainly the holiday season can be a time of worry. It can be a time of fear. time of chaos. But maybe just in general in life, you're struggling with fear. You're struggling with worry about tomorrow, about relationships, about your own sin. just want to encourage you this morning Embrace these truths about who God is and seek to live in that and get on your knees and say, God, help me. I'm stressed. I'm worried. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm fearful. Help me to find peace. Give me your peace. We have a God who loves us and blesses us and desires to give us good things. Seek to know him. Seek him for provision. All for his glory. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand.